Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello ESL fam, and welcome to your weekly update on the elite Italian clubs. Agnelli steals the Gagliardini challenge with the biggest swing and a miss in decades while Milan and Inter furiously pedal backwards. But in serious news, the race for the Champions League is heating up, but the relegation fight is just ignited. It's drama all round in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto, your weekly update on top flight Italian football. So as we approach the critical phase of this season, the races for the Champions League places and the relegation fight really hotting up so plenty to talk about there we should probably also mention the small matter of the failed insurrection against football which was launched with i guess it's fair to say plenty of italian involvement this week and we'll give you the scudetto hot take on all of that but first off kenny other than sort of refreshing twitter and furiously typing out hot takes about the european super league mm-hmm. what have you been up to in the past seven days since we last recorded I've actually spent most of my time in my house, Oscar. Uh, This is unusual for me. (laughs) Normally, I've got great stories to tell. Uh, But I've had had a bit of a cold and a bit of a cough. So apologies if I sound a a little bit like a a chain-smoking old goat. Uh, But uh, on the mend now and very, very excited about uh, getting a haircut next week. So it's, it's all happening here. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the video feeds, which obviously the listeners won't be able to see we are in need of some haircuts on this podcast it's uh definitely fair to say any uh sign of a haircut insight for you buzz um i'm sorry to interrupt you oscar but uh, i need to announce i need to make a flash announcement that me and 11 of my friends are starting a brand new podcast starting tomorrow um and this is going to be without <laughs> you guys um and any money i make is going to go straight to me so see you later <laughs> Uh, Buzz, I just want to ask you to reconsider. Uh, I've actually just done a quick poll of our fans and they're all really against this and I'm against it. And me and Kenny are both against it. We're going to kick you out if you continue with this action. So. Well, in that case, I, I'm all I'm back. How's it going, guys? Okay, well, I'm going to go back to Kenny and talk to him about his beer and then we'll consider whether we're going to let you back in, what kind of point deduction is appropriate i knew i overplayed my cards <laughs> <laughs> kenny what sort of uh, beer have you got this week i have got a tempest brewing company i'm not going to respond to all of that nonsense that just went on there by the way um i've, I've got a <laughs> tempest brewing company pale armadillo session ipa I've, i had one of these about seven or eight months ago uh, and it was quite nice so i have another one and it is still very pleasant um, what do you think we should do about Boaz? I mean, should we still ask him for a story? Maybe he doesn't get a story this week. That would maybe be an appropriate punishment. I was going to say I, I will relinquish my story after that uh, bit of bravado. Okay, well, you can. W- we'll still let you have a civilized beer. 
I'm drinking a Brewdog Oat Cream DDH IPA, one of these ones that uh, was named with a thesaurus, and it's very nice. Quite nice. Good stuff. Uh, my story for this week is uh, we've resumed, I've resumed training with my football team here in Helsinki. Hopefully, we're starting our league. It's a seven-a-side league, and hopefully, we'll be kicking off our first game at the end of May. So we've been having some uh, socially distanced training. Um, it's, it's a team which is made up of majority Italians, quite appropriately for this podcast. And uh, the name of the team is Cazzoni. Um, so Without the L? It's Cazzoni. Okay. Sounds like it's without an L. Interesting. So not a pizza. It's, it's not a pizza, no. The, uh, the team logo is an aubergine. I thought you were going to say something else. I'm, I'm glad you went with that. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay. It sounds similar to like uh, the Finnish verb for to see. So the Italians obviously find that hilarious. I'm sure all the Italians are walking around with Tell me, say to see, say it now. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, I, I don't have a special beer to tell you about. I've got, again, the Tanker Sauna Session Birch Ale which was the only thing I could get on short notes from the supermarket. So apologies. I'll try and come up with something more exciting for next week. Okay, so let's talk about the Super League first and just kind of get that out of the way because football media in Europe, at least, has been talking a little else for the last week. I think it's fair to say that the reaction in Italy has been the same as it's been across Europe. Uh, one of the Italian newspapers led with Super League Super No. Um, which I think sort of sums up the reaction from fans and media. Just to get into the Italian angle on it a little bit more, but as I guess the question we should be asking is, how have the elite clubs been chosen in Italy? Because, I mean, fair enough, Juventus and the two Milan clubs are three of the top four at the moment, but I don't think they've really been the most successful Italian clubs over the past five, ten years. Well, we're talking about the Milan, the Milan clubs there, aren't we? Because obviously Juve have won nine titles in a row. But yeah, but. yeah. I mean, Juventus, fair enough. But the the, t- the two Milan clubs at the top table. Clearly, as in other countries, the clubs were picked on uh, the basis of their reputation rather than uh, any merit on the football pitch. And while um, the likes of in Italy, specifically the likes of. Uh, Napoli, uh, Roma, possibly even Lazio might feel hard done by for not being included. For me, the glaring omission, and it, this is me and Kenny kind of swapping sides for a second, but the glaring omission here is definitely Atalanta, who are, are the exact reason why such a competition should not exist, because they're both financially sustainable, they're managed to pay their own stadium, they, they play what we all consider fantastic football, and... Their owner is not is not someone who was born yesterday. He has uh, stakes in uh, Starbucks, Uniqlo, uh, Zara, I believe. Uh, so the the, no, the notion that Atalanta is being considered this uh, provinciale just on the basis of their history and not being considered for their their current achievements and what they're doing on the field, but also crucially off the field, shows how poorly this whole competition was fought out. Yeah, I I actually would. Uh... Would say also Napoli are a glaring omission, given that they were the main contenders to to Juve up until last season. Really, if we remember 
when Ancelotti was taking Napoli into last season, the question was, can they pip Juve to, to the title? Because that had been their their aspiration for for the preceding for the preceding years. I would also say that it's probably not based on on reputation so much as turnover. Really, when you when you look at these clubs. Sorry to veer away from Italian football for a little bit, but uh, look at Arsenal, for example. Arsenal, this is going to be the fifth season in a row that Arsenal aren't even going to qualify for the the Champions League unless they do it through the Europa League, which they nearly did a couple of seasons ago. And I think what essentially what this is, is it's a bunch of clubs who are basically not willing to face up to the reality of the financial crisis that is approaching us i think if we're if we're honest about this it's clubs that are spending unsustainably and you have someone like uh, florentino perez going on television and in one breath he's saying oh we've got this big financial crisis we need to find a way to save football and trying to paint obscurely trying to paint this elitist competition as the savior of football and then in, in the other breath he's talking about you know signing Haaland and signing uh, Mbappe and you've, you've got to uh, that's not something that you can do you have to face up to the fact that if you if you want to buy these players you have to have the the cash available to pay for what that the these clubs are willing to to sell their players for, and if you don't, then you just don't sign them. That's what you have to do. And Boaz mentioned Atalanta; they're an excellent example. They're a club that spend within their means. This week, they confirmed their turnover for the year to December twenty twenty. Not their turnover; their profits uh, were fifty fifty one million euros, I believe it was. Even in a year where stadiums have been shut for nine months. Even without the Champions League, Atalanta would have broken even. That's just incredible, really, when you think about it. No gate revenue, set aside the Champions League revenue, and they are a side that are, as Boaz said, just run well. All of these clubs need to take a look at that. Juventus, Inter, they need to take a look at that, and they need to see what it takes to live within your means, because this is going to be a big old financial crash. It's going to be worse than the the global financial crash of uh, 2009, etc., uh, and they just have to face up to reality. They have to live within their means. To offer a, a perspective of a Milan fan here, I think what's most disappointing about this is that um, Milan had won back a lot of goodwill in over this season. There was, uh, there's, as we've mentioned, there's one of the youngest teams in Europe. Uh, the football on display has been fairly enjoyable, and uh, Coach Pioli and Maldini in the in the backroom staff are generally likable people. So. This, this whole action is also a, a spectacular uh, attempt at shooting yourself in the foot in, in also in terms of uh, popularity and uh, world appeal. Yeah, I think that, that's definitely true. Just to go back on you, what you were saying, McKenney, it kind of highlights what we were speaking about a bit off air, that these clubs will really benefit from finan- financial fair play. Like if they know that their rivals are not going to be allowed to spend like crazy unsustainably on transfers then surely the compulsion to to do that and spend beyond your means is is massively minimized I want to just kind of uh round this section up by reading out a quote from gozens who was asked about the super league said people are dying in the world money is lacking for everyone and these 12 clubs create their own league so they can have 100 or 150 million euros shoved up their asses you have to ask yourself where the ethics lie in all of this. 
I mean, he, and he goes, yeah, right. goes on to say that he would join any protest against this league. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's right. I think uh, we all agree that this uh, Super League idea was spectacularly flawed and wrong on so many levels. And what what for me was most surprising was how it was presented. Because if you, if you have this big plan, I mean, it, it should be ironclad. How are clubs like dropping out like flies and... How is how is your logo seemed like it was drawn by a GCSE student? But um, I'd be wary of uh, painting the likes of uh, UEFA, FIFA, PSG, Bayern Munich as uh, some sort of uh, shining light here that will uh, save football. Let's let's not forget that PSG are essentially uh, another oil uh, oil rich uh, state backing a club. Bayern have been dominating their league for years and have been buying the best cl- best players from other clubs oh, just this week um seferin it was an- it was announced his salary comes up to 2.2 million now i'm sure he's very good at his job and he deserves every penny of that of the money but at the same time don't come and speak to me about ethics and the roots of football and how uh, everyone is uh, there's a global pandemic and people are starving when you're clearly making a big chunk of football Absolutely. I fully, fully, totally am behind that. And to the point where I think that UEFA can learn from this, and I'm not sure they will from the way that they've responded by saying, oh, we welcome these clubs back in. It seems like, oh, all is forgiven. But no, all shouldn't be forgiven. You keep on making these clubs richer. These clubs were big, big clubs before. Not all of them, not um, not PSG. And as we've spoken before, even Barcelona didn't win their first uh, European Cup or Champions League until I believe it was the 90s. But these clubs were big clubs before, but they did not dominate football in the way they do until the Champions League existed and made them richer and more powerful. And guess what happens when you make people richer and more powerful and they say, we want more money and we want more power and you give them more power, more power and more money and you just keep on doing that. Eventually, they're going to get to a point where they're like, well, why do we need you? And that's exactly what's happened here. So UEFA are absolutely complicit in this. It, it, it's inevitable that this is what's going to happen. There are absolutely huge clubs with massive histories in Europe of winning European competitions that now don't get a look in. And it's not because the clubs themselves aren't big enough or couldn't become big enough global brands. It's because they might come from the wrong country. They might come from a country where the television pool isn't big enough. And what you get by limiting it and put concentrating all of the power is you get... You get a small handful of clubs who say, oh, these these other clubs that you're putting us in groups with aren't as good as us. Of course they're not, because you're taking all the money. Because every time you're taking more and more of the money. It's so short-termist as well, because you think you have this league of, like, this was a point made on another podcast and has, has been made in media, but you take this league of 20 teams and in five years' time, someone's going to be bottom. And the the top teams are going to say, why, why are we carrying... These teams that you know have lower viewers viewership than we do, and we it's not good competition. It's not good content. Like, where does it end? You Absolutely. you need people to play against. Um, I think we we've probably said enough on this topic. Um, just just going back to the Gozen statement that I just read out. Maybe we should speak about the Atalanta game because uh, Atalanta have drawn one one with with Roma tonight in a game which they almost certainly should have won. Um, and in which Gosens was actually sent off for a silly second yellow 
Kenny, you watched this one. Uh, I did. It's sort of her Atalanta's uh, crusade for second place in Serie A, hasn't it? Well, of course, it's very much two points dropped. It's Shades of Fiorentina, as I mentioned. Uh, shades of the game against uh, Fiorentina. And as I mentioned, at the, t- the time of the Fiorentina game, Shades of the, the Torino match. There's absolutely no way Atalanta should have lost this game. Just look back at the, the highlights on YouTube as I, I actually managed to, to get time to, to do after, after watching the game and before we recorded. Uh, Atalanta were just absolutely all over uh, Roma and should have been should have been three or four nil up really by by half time. So you've got a, a nomination, haven't you, for the uh, Gagliardini challenge? Yeah, Muriel. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So probably the turning point. A, a lot of people will say the turning point was the the sending off for for Gozins in this game, but probably it was actually Muriel missing. Uh, I mean. What was uh, an absolute sitter about five yards out all the time in the world? Probably should have gone with his left foot, but decided to to go with his right and managed to skew it past past the post. And then about five minutes later, uh, Gozins, like you said correctly, got himself uh, a silly second yellow card. Uh, the game the game turned, and then it was kind of all all Roma from from then and. Has to be said, a wonderful, wonderful equaliser from Cristante. Although Golini possibly should have done better, but completely two points thrown away. Yes, it does hurt Atalanta's challenge, but this is something that I've said repeatedly about Atalanta. They do drop points, they do uh, throw away winning positions, and with any other club, you might turn around and say that's that's going to hurt them. They're, that that might change the sort of trajectory of their season. But they pick themselves up. They're very good at that. And I guess it's testament to, to Gasperini. They pick themselves up. They go out there and they're just as likely to go on a five-game winning run after this. I think Atalanta actually have a very good run in. Uh, I think the only side from the top uh, top six that they've got left is Milan. So they've definitely still got a very, very good chance to to finish second even, not just to qualify for the Champions League. Yeah. And unfortunately, Baz, the same can't really be said of Fonseca, can it? Because Roma have continued to be incredibly inconsistent. Um, Obviously, getting a draw, which they arguably didn't deserve tonight against Atalanta. Uh, But when we previewed this game, we were talking about how much having the extra games in the Europa League might affect them. But what I guess we didn't predict is that they were going to drop points this weekend in their game against Torino, which they ended up losing 3-1. Just a, a kind of mad roller coaster of events in the Roma camp. Yeah, and um, it looks like the league is, and I mean the Champions League qualification is uh, out of reach at this point, and this game in particular showed uh, everything that is so frustrating about Roma this season. They went 1-0 up with uh, a pretty good goal that uh, Borja Mayoral kind of smacked it into the bottom after receiving a ball just off the just cutting the offside trap and you think okay this game is kind of downhill from them for them Torino are going to push forward because they're in a relegation fight and Roma have the counter-attacking power to beat them we've seen them do it earlier in the season and indeed uh, Pedro had a, a, a great chance and there was a few missed opportunities and then of course uh, as they say in Italy gol sbagliato gol subito and uh, Torino came back the other end and essentially what it came down to is they wanted it more let's face it 
Torino have uh, shown great character and they basically outplayed Roma in every department. We've mentioned this uh, in previous episodes, but Roma seem to be really lacking in um, in the goalkeeping department. I, in our last episode, I, crit- I heavily criticized Paul Lopez for his uh, performance against Ajax and how um, he didn't make things, uh, he didn't make life easy for the Romanisti. It has to be said in his defense that he did save a penalty in the first leg of that game, so at least there's that. And in this game, Mirante just came out to collect a cross and was in no man's land. And this this is the kind of stuff that I, I think you're taught as a young boy, as a, as a goalkeeper. And it's just, it's nuts that a club of, of such resources uh, is lacking in a, such a crucial area of the pitch. Yeah, I think a couple of those points that Boaz made were very, very relevant tonight as well. Uh, the one about desire, firstly, until Atalanta sending off, Roma were very obviously lacking in desire. There was a lot of wayward passing, but more evident than that was that any time there was any forcing of the issue that needed to be done, it was the Atalanta players doing it, not the Roma players. Uh, and the other one is that you might look at the number of shots on target that Atalanta had and say, well, Paolo Lopez has had a great game, but that would be misleading because the, a lot of the saves that he made tonight um, were actually just shots that were just fired straight at him. I think there was a couple of good sort of um, reflex saves in there, but in general, it was very much a story of, of wastefulness. But that lack of desire that Boaz spoke about, that like not wanting it as much as the opposition was very much, uh, while tonight's game was 11 against 11, it was the same story. And I think that's a real problem for, for Roma and, I mean, Champions League. A point tonight does very little for, for Roma and Champions League is looking beyond them. Yeah, I mean, unless they can kind of do the impossible. Obviously, now have got the Europa League semi-final against Man United, um, first leg this Thursday. I mean, you wouldn't, on current form, you wouldn't expect Roma to really be able to do anything in that game, but it's a cup tie. And, and we all remember, we all remember the score the last time uh, Roma visited Old Trafford. Just in case some of our listeners don't, but um, what happened? <laughs> I believe it was seven-one uh, with a fantastic goal from Daniele De Rossi from uh, about thirty-five meters out. Okay, well, I'll definitely be looking forward to that. Um, and while we're on kind of high-scoring games. Maybe we should just do a quick mention of uh, Napoli 5, lap 2, which is the result in the other game tonight. It's just finished. We've been recording. We haven't really had a chance to watch it. But, um, I mean, that's just a crazy result, isn't it? That was 2-0 when we went <laughs> yeah. into pre-prod. Yeah, last, Napoli were leading 4-0 <laughs> so, at some point. And it looks like, as we mentioned last week, uh, as soon as they have all their players available, they become a completely different proposition. Yeah, and it kind of um, reinforces my view that I was uh, espousing before we started recording that Juventus are going to be the team to miss out on the top four this season, in my opinion, just looking at the run-in and the form that Napoli are in. Yeah, it's looking... I I mentioned earlier that Atalanta have got uh, a pretty pretty kind run-in from here, aside from the game against Milan. Juve, on the other hand, have got a very, very difficult running they've got Milan and Inter to play they've got Sassuolo to play who were great the first half of the season seemed to die away a little bit but have now gone on a three-game winning run so yeah that's that's not going to be easy at all and also Udinese who have taken points off of just about every top 
uh, top six side. They've taken points of Atalanta, they've taken points of Inter, they've taken points of Milan. Um, I think, in fact, Juve are probably the only side they, they haven't taken points off of. Uh, but yeah, it's just it, that is really, really fascinating, much as the title race is over uh, and has been for a few weeks. This race is just getting more and more exciting. I mean, now you've got four sides. Uh, Lazio aren't out of it either if they win their game in hand. But um, you've now got four sides within three points of each other, all chasing three spots. It's really, really exciting. And Juve definitely are up against it here. Uh, yeah, and even if uh, Roma do do the impossible and uh, win the Europa League, this makes no difference now to the spots that are awarded through the league. Boaz, what do you think? What Who's, who's your... Uh favorite to drop this comes out. on to the Milan segment next but I'm actually a little bit worried about uh, De Rossoneri's chances of making qualification on paper they only need to make nine points from the remaining 18 but um, the way the club is playing at the moment and the actual fear you see on the pitch in approaching games that should otherwise be easy doesn't uh, bode well and uh, I, I'm honestly thinking that um, some something some changes need to be made immediately in terms of mentality. Um, Zlatan, who it was just announced, he signed a new contract for one year, so th- that's at least a little bit of good news. But he's been missing from the pitch, and he's actually missed over fifty percent of the games this season. So um, that that shows uh, that Milan are lacking in depth, and uh, th- his replacements are probably not up to the standards, or at, le- at the very least, they don't do what he does. Um, Leao led the line against uh, Tassuolo and while I, I generally like the player and I, he gets a lot of stick on social media because he's not uh, clinical enough but I think he's a great winger but uh, he, he doesn't have the poacher's instinct and time and time again Milan have lacked that including in these last two rounds where um, kind of struggled to get a victory against uh, Genoa only succeeding in getting it thanks to a very bizarre on goal with his back from allegedly Milan bounce Kamaka so that that could be considered his first ever goal for Milan but um really a lot of a lot of hard work to get this result and then uh, the game against Sassuolo was also it, it should have been done and dusted but they let the Sassuolo back into it yeah and this kind of feeds really this sort of inconsistency really feeds into the, the last talking point which is that Inter have actually been dropping a few points like the last two games they've drawn one one um, and it's an opportunity because I know we've been saying that the title race has been over for a while, but I mean, it's what, six games left? If they'd won at the weekend, that would just be, what, seven points? And this feeds into what I said earlier, that uh, Milan are literally bottling it because this is the third or fourth occasion where they had a chance to put a little bit of pressure on Inter. I'm not saying that this pressure would have certain necessarily uh, worked out, but you're playing a game before, you're playing at home, so in theory this should be three points in the bag. But instead, you lose the game and Inter went on to draw, of course, but mentally you have to, Inter have to consider it a, a point gained. Yeah, definitely. And I'd like to give some, uh, I'd, I'd like to mention uh, Sassuolo's coach De Zerbi and his quotes before the game that kind of link into the, our earlier segment. And he said, I have no pleasure in playing Milan. If it was up to me, we wouldn't go there. This was a, a coup d'etat. I wonder if he feels the same way now that they got the three points. But to kind of go full circle, this is yet more proof that uh, Milan are bottling it because you have your rival coach and some of their players basically trash-talking you in the media 
and uh, <clears throat> instead of using that as some sort of uh, ammunition to fire yourself up, and I mean, this would have been perfect, the lowly Sassuolo are, are dissing the Super League uh, Milan, but instead, I mean, lowly Sassuolo are a well-run club and they play some good football, they tricked you into losing, basically. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does feed into, I think, what we've been saying throughout, which is uh, even if Inter, from here on in, are to drop points, it requires the other teams to win all of their games. And I think we, it, this isn't just something that, that applies now that Milan have dropped a few points. I think it's something that um, we were saying a, a few weeks ago, that the reason that we were saying the league was over is that there are still difficult games coming up for other teams as well. So Inter can still drop points and they can unexpectedly drop points as well as they have done um, this week. I don't think anyone expected them to drop four points this week, perhaps a couple, but they can't unexpectedly drop them. But in order for any other side to to win, now, I mean, it's let's not even consider the fact that it's a possibility, but even a few weeks ago, it would have required... Milan or Juve to be absolutely perfect from here on out. And I think we all knew, given the form, that that wasn't the case. So I, I understand Boaz's frustration as a Milan fan, but I think realistically it's kind of it's been time to let let the dream go maybe for, for a while because I, I don't think it was ever really going to happen that either of these clubs were going to have perfect... Kenny just mentioned form there, and I think that's uh, the key word in this uh, title race. If you look at uh, Milan's home form in comparison to other clubs, there they have the seventh best uh, result in the league, below Juve, Inter, Roma, Napoli, Atalanta, and Lazio, and that's simply not the stuff of champions. In uh, contrast, um, at home they they lead the table; they're above Inter by four points. It's it's a little bit weird to be discussing home and away form in a season where there are no fans. And yet, you see uh, that Juventus is away form. They're also seventh, below Sassuolo, below a lot of clubs. So this is where Juve and Milan have dropped the points. Milan at home and Juve away, essentially, because Inter are second in both those tables. Yeah, and that's a good segue, actually, the kind of informed teams, because looking ahead to this weekend, it looks like Torino versus Napoli could be the kind of most influential game. Uh, Both teams, obviously, on a pretty good run. Lazio uh, not play Milan as well. Lazio do play Milan, which is definitely an important point in the race for the top four. But I think with Torino still not safe after that crazy game between Cagliari and Parma, this game could have implications both in the relegation fight and in the top four race. But happy to talk about either game. Kenny, do you, do you have strong feelings on uh, Milan Lazio? I would say this is the bigger game. Personally, I think Torino are only about three points uh, away from relegation. They do have a game in hand. But I've been saying before, oh, Torino aren't safe yet. Torino aren't safe yet. Torino keep on picking up points. And if I am a Benevento fan, I'm more worried right now than I am if I'm a a Torino fan. Uh, I actually think now it's looking like that uh, final relegation spot is between uh, Benevento and, and Cagliari. To, to be honest, Lazio have uh, have a game in hand. Uh, they are on, I mean, they've had a horrible result tonight, but they've been on great form. And yeah, Boaz, Boaz was saying he's he's worried about Milan letting letting this slip. It just kind of feeds into what we were saying before, doesn't it? It's, uh, 
it, it's really really fascinating because you just cannot call it you just cannot call which way that that race is is going to go and i do think lazio are slight outsiders just because they haven't got those points in the bank yet but undoubtedly that story completely changes if lazio beat milan like that uh, that is uh, that is, as the cliche goes, an absolute six point. And both clubs have had a mixed week with uh, uh, Lazio beating the aforementioned Benevento 5-3 in what was a real fun game. Then obviously losing 5-2 to uh, Napoli just today. So it's kind of a hit and miss for Lazio and uh, Milan drop points as well. So they'll both presumably come in fired up for this. And this is a game where Milan won the first leg 3-2 after dominating the fir- the first half and being dominated for much of the the rest of the game so kind of uh Lazio will be out for revenge as well I, I think Kenny's right in saying that this is a fireworks game and it's 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 one of those games that will tr- will definitely weigh on this whole Champions League race yeah absolutely yeah. and you've just mentioned the two clubs that have had mixed weeks um which brings us nicely onto our good week bad week section for the clubs that have not had mixed weeks who are we nominating this week? I mean, we just very briefly touched on the Calgary-Palmer game where uh, Palmer let a lead slip to come back and lose 4-3. In injury time, yes. In, in-, in injury time. <laughs> no exactly. question at all. To fo- and then they followed that up by letting a lead slip again. Fair enough, it was against Juventus and they took the lead in the first half and it was only a one-goal lead. But you can't look beyond Parma for a bad week. Like losing to relegation rivals when you're going into injury time, leading against them. Not even dropping a dropping two points, but dropping three points from that situation. Uh, and and then to lose again in midweek. Stonewaller for me, Parma, bad week. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we've decided before that we can't give this to an individual. Because I think mm. Agnelli would definitely have been in the this week. <laughs> well, can, uh, can we give it to three clubs? <laughs> Yeah, we could give it to the elite. 12 clubs. The Italian elite clubs. No, it goes to Parma. Still goes to Parma. With with the Super League, Parma still had the worst league. Worst week. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just completely ignore anything that happens outside of the uh, official leagues that we cover. So it goes to Parma. And what about good week? Who's had a good week? I mean, Napoli have just won 5-2. They're just a candidate probably based on that, but um, Sassuolo have also won two games. Yeah, Napoli picked up a point against the Inter, stopped that run as well, so it's a tough one, isn't it? Napoli's definitely is more consequential because uh, Sassuolo aren't going to qualify for uh, the, the Champions League at, at this stage, or even the uh, UEFA Conference, but I do think, I mean, Sassuolo, that result against Milan, what a result, and when you take into account the Zerbi's comments before the match. Uh, I think a real victory for, for the small clubs in a, a week where uh, they have been uh, disrespected is a very uh, a very light word for, for what happened to the smaller clubs. I'm going to go to Sassuolo for this. Two victories and also one of them against elite Milan. So Yeah, happy with that, Buzz. Any, uh, I mean, I think uh, you, you're gonna, we have to give it to Sassuolo also because... Uh, Highly rated uh, Giacomo Espadori came on, came off the bench and uh, scored two shots, I believe, both with his left and his right foot. So he's one of the great prospects in Italian football. And uh, it it was kind of, even though I'm a Milan fan, it was kind of a good way to uh, 
kind of stick the finger up to the this whole Europa League business. Yeah, nine years I believe he spent at Sassuolo coming through the, the youth academy. So lovely, lovely story. Honorable. All right, I'll take that one. And uh, it's a good way to kick off the honorable mentions section. Uh, I want to start with giving one to Mario Mandzukic, who has donated his salary for the past three months where he's not been playing to charity, which I think fair play to him. Obviously, doesn't feel like he's earned the money, and uh, it's a nice gesture. But you have given a, a dishonorable mention before on this podcast to thieves. Um, I noticed they they've popped up again. Obviously, stealing is bad. Does it have some relevance to? Uh, no, I'm just. Uh, I have a one? very strong feeling against uh, thieves in general. <laughs> and I feel we should give uh, dishonorable every episode to something that we feel is out of order. But seriously, um. Chris Smalling was um, robbed at the at the beginning of the weekend. Uh, obviously, this news has kind of gone under the radar with all the other craziness that has gone down. But he was his family was was at home while it was happening, and apparently it was a little bit violent, and they got away with a lot of stuff in his safe. So obviously, dishonorable to thieves, but also hoping, wishing for all the best for the Smalling family, and hope the crooks get found. Yeah, uh, and next week, dishonorable. For murderers on goals. <laughs> um, but first, Kenny, your uh, goals honourable. Who's uh, impressed you this week? I, I actually want to give a dishonourable to uh, kidnappers, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> uh, yes, honourable. Honourable mention. My goals honourables. I'm actually mixing it up a little bit this week and I'm making it themed. And my goals honourables are half volley themed. And I know you take exception to this, Oscar. Uh, but I've got two definite half volleys, uh, which are uh, Rebic for his half volley for Milan against Genoa, definitely a half volley, and uh, Mandragora for his half volley for Torino against Bologna. Two absolutely great goals. Mandragora's in particular was like a rocket, just uh, the trajectory of that thing didn't seem like it was coming back to earth. It was like an arrow. Yeah, I mean, we won't get into the kind of semantics of it, but for me, a half volley is where you catch the ball on the ground simultaneously. Listeners can have their own opinion on that. The two great goals uh, in any case. Boaz, you wanted to give Immobile uh, an honourable this week. Yeah, Chiro Immobile had gone um, eight matches without a goal, which is a very long stretch, particularly for what uh, a goal a striker such as him. But this didn't stop him from um, l- lending the penalty to Korea when it, when it came to take it. Um, and Immobile was eventually scored too, so had he taken the penalty himself, he could have been on a hat-trick. Generally, uh, nice guy, Chiro, and uh, good on him for sharing, spreading the love. Uh, and on a completely different note, uh, Kenny, you've got an honourable for uh, Goran Pandev. Yeah, I think this is... I, I actually don't have the, the spreadsheet of whoever the official uh, honourable and dishonourable uh, sort of stats is on this. Uh, I I am not that person, uh, but I believe this is the third time that Goran Pandev has got an honourable mention, and it's been quite some some season for him, really, uh, with North Macedonia qualifying for their first uh, major major finals. Uh, but this one is for him hitting 100 goals in in Serie A. He did it just before his 100th birthday, uh, and he is the first North Macedonian player to hit 100 goals in Europe's top five leagues and also a nice opportunity for Antonio Conte 
to become the latest manager to to weigh into the will he want he retire debate and to tell Pandev not to retire. So just a nice feel good story all around. I just want to give uh, an honourable to Malinowski, who has been involved in eight goals, uh, three goals and five assists in his last five games for Atalanta, including a goal today. Yeah. Um, so fair play to him. Boaz mentioned desire earlier, and that goal today was all about that. All about. And of course, he also got the winner against Juventus. So uh, he's having a fantastic season all round. I'm still angry with him for uh, his fake Twitter account that. Uh, conned us earlier in the year <laughs> but but since he's playing so well I'll, I'll, I'll let that go yeah yeah i mean his his winner against juventus uh was by way of a very heavy deflection he wanted it but uh nonetheless deserved kenny i see you've got an honorable here for rumenigga obviously we haven't talked enough about the uh super league this week so well, yeah, this, this this one probably could, we could have done without, given that I went on a rant about how clubs need to live within their means. But this is, uh, yeah, this is Rummenigge basically in response to the Super League saying what anyone who has seen the balance sheets any of these clubs would say, which is you don't need a Super League, you just need to you just need to live within your means, basically. And for that to come from the top seeded side in uh, the. UEFA coefficients and multiple Champions League winners. Bayern Munich, I think, is much more powerful than coming from anyone else. So in a week where we saw the the, the worst side of power, Boaz said, let's not <laughs> let let's not paint these people out to be, you know, heroes. Uh, but that definitely was an important statement that needed to be made by someone in a high position because people in lower positions have probably been saying this for ages and just get ignored but coming from someone in such a powerful position at such a powerful club i think it, it had to be said yeah uh fair enough to to restate that in the honorables as well i think it's a, an important point buzz you've got an honorable down here for draw pedro what's draw pedro almost featured in uh, two honorables this week because he had a fantastic goal disallowed by var um, for a foul that occurred a few minutes before his goal was even scored, so one of these goals that only VAR would disallow. But the reason I'm giving him an honorable is because at the end of the riveting uh, Parma Cagliari game, despite his side winning, uh, Joao Pedro, who was also Cagliari's captain, it has to be said, uh, instead of celebrating with his teammates, he went and sat next to uh, Kutic of Parma, who his, is his ex teammate. They were both kind of tearful. Uh, Kutic, obviously, because he's all but relegated and was it was a beautiful gesture and it deserves a, a honorable from us and this was first tweeted by our good pal Milan Obsession so uh, thanks for spotting that for us absolutely um, and in honor of Milan Obsession I'll, uh, I'll let you have one more mention in the in the from the Milan camp. the most disappointing thing for me of these last uh, this last few games where Milan have struggled has actually been uh, coach Pioli's attire he Feels to me like he's uh, just docked his uh, super yacht and he's kind of strolling into into town to <laughs> find uh, a cocktail, <laughs> a martini or something. I mean, I don't know. Who, I don't know what the idea with a white shirt, a blue blazer, some these crazy shoes. Like, come on, mate, just just dress up to win. This is not. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of worse than Guardiola's uh, infamous cardigan that he wore on the on the sidelines. A year or two back. It belongs in the America's Cup. He shouldn't be wearing that in Serie A. Especially not in Milan, the, the mecca of, of fashion. 
Well, while we're on the Americas, um, let me just give a quick honourable to Carl J. Krause, um, obviously the, the new owner of Palmer. Um, well, new this season. Um, for his tweet, that he, he said he came to Italy because of his passion for the game and he understands and appreciates the risks of the game by deciding what happens on the pitch. And he believes that that's what makes this game beautiful. So obviously he does know what relegation is, um, contrary to some speculations on this podcast <laughs> earlier in the season. Um, so sorry, Carl, and have an honourable mention. Right. And let's wrap it up with a dishonourable, Boaz. Who's earned your uh, wrath this well, uh, week? For, for years, fans have been saying that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is not influential enough on free kicks. Um, but this season, that seems to have changed. You may remember he was uh, very much responsible for a free kick goal that uh, Porto scored that essentially knocked Juve out of the Champions League. And uh, this week against Parma, he was at it again, the... He was placed in the wall, and at this stage, I don't understand why they continue putting him there. He, he's a tall guy, but he didn't jump as opposed to all his teammates, and the ball went above his head and into the goal. And uh, as Kenny was saying before we started recording, if you're an opposing manager, just tell your, your free kick taker, hit it as hard as you can at Cristiano. Worst thing is, you're going to hurt him. Or even better, you'll step out the way and you'll score. <laughs> Obviously uh, worried about the uh, base insurance money. Much like Zlatan, he has plans for Hollywood after this, uh, after his career. Not the face, <laughs> yeah. not the face. I'll look forward to uh, not watching him in an Asterix movie in the near future. But I think that's all we've got time for this week. Um, so thanks very much for listening. We um, look forward to speaking to you again next week. If you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio. Until then, enjoy the football. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.